And yeah, if you saw Malcolm in the middle, you kind of wonder, is this what happened? Is this how the dad, (laughs) is this what the dad became? Hey everyone, I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And welcome to another episode of Nerds Inc. Gary, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, we're recording on a Sunday night after my Steelers won. So, you know, I'm always happy when that happens. How about you? You know, same. Uh, it was a bye week for uh, my Miami Dolphins. That's my NFL team. But the Miami Heat did beat the did. San Antonio Spurs and Wemby. Nice so it was a good win. So, yeah, I mean, when your team wins, whether it's uh, NBA or NFL, it's always a good day. That is true. That is true. Uh, but this week, uh, we're returning to our top five series, and that's yes. what we're going to be talking about today. You want to tell the good people which of our top five we're going over? So this one is going to be one that is going to be tough for both of us to kind of like hash out. But um, anyone who knows Skylar or myself know that we love television. So uh, we're going to be giving our top five television series. Uh and again, this is going to be tough because five TV series that we have to say we love over the hundreds and thousands of others that are out there. Uh, it's going to be a good one, though. I'm really excited. Definitely. And it's our top five favorite TV shows of all time, which is so tough. <laughs> I mean, that's like asking, you know, your top five movies, or your top five, you know, favorite bands or, you know, musicians. It is very, very challenging. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to try to dive into it. Before we do that, though, I know that we do have um, a bit of news that some of you might have already seen on your social media. Uh, but a huge uh, strike has just ended. You know, the, the WGA strike ended a few weeks ago. And now the SAG after actor strike is now officially over as of 12.01 on Thursday, November 9th. Gary, how do you feel about it? I'm excited. Um, I saw the news as soon as it dropped um, on Instagram and I was I almost jumped out of bed, honestly. Usually around 12 inches when I'm sleeping, you know, getting ready for work the next day. I was struggling a little bit. So I jumped on social media and that was the first thing I saw. And I think I saw the president just kind of like talking about how excited she was with everything that was happening um, and how like uh, the deal really was a, a really big benefit to the actors. Um, and that to me um, made me happy because, you know, we know um, the AMPTP was not really trying to budge on a lot of the, the um, issues, but to see that they were able to get most of, uh, if not all of what they wanted um, was a huge, huge deal to me. But I know for you, Scholar, as an actor, this one is probably one of the biggest things for you, uh, at least going forward, right? Oh, no. Yeah, it's huge. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm not currently a SAG after a member, but I certainly hope to become one one day. I mean, that's the dream. Um, you know, every actor, there are two different acting unions uh, for stage and then for film. You have uh, AEA or Actors Equity Association for stage, and you have SAG after for screen. And um, so that's TV and film. Uh, would love to be a part of both someday. So absolutely. I think that this is the type of contract that, you know, it's only a three-year contract, but that it does set the stage for, you know, new members to join and kind of reap those benefits. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I certainly did want to go into at least a little bit of those details for those that might not know. You Maybe you just saw the headline on Instagram and you kind of want to know exactly what was won. So we have a little bit of those details uh, from the SAGAFTRA.org website. And so this agreement includes an unprecedented wage pattern with two wage increases in the first year of the contract. So that's 7% upon ratification of the contract and another 4% increase effective July 2024, which makes a compounded first year increase of wages at 11.28%. There will be another 3.5% increase effective July 2025. It's also huge for background actors, so actors that are not in kind of those principal or supporting roles. Background actors will see a wage increase of 11% effective November 12th this year, 2023, and then an additional 4% effective July 1st. 2024, and another 3.5% increase effective July 1st, 2025. 
Uh, so it's a monumental breakthrough. So for the first time ever, the number of covered positions in the West Coast zones will equal those of the East Coast zones. Uh, so this is projected to add almost 11,000 new covered background roles uh, work daily. Annually. That's crazy. Um, there's also a nearly 43% increase to the contribution of cap for one hour productions and nearly 67% increase to the cap for half hour productions, uh, with will, uh, which will result in an increased contributions to health care and pension and retirement funds, as well as help performers working on the shows continue to qualify for those benefits, which I know is a huge deal, um, mm. you know. Acting and, and screen and film is is not all about you know being the, the star or the supporting um, actor. You are a background actor. You might have a line or two, and you know before you weren't able to qualify for the health insurance, and now this is guaranteeing that you know you're going to get those benefits. You're going to have health insurance, and you're going to be able to save up for retirement, which for actors is like unheard of. So this right. is huge. <laughs> There was also some stipulations regarding AI that has not been released yet as of the time of our recording, which once again is Sunday, November 12th. Uh, so as soon as we have that information on the AI stipulations, which apparently, according to Fran Dresser, the SAG after president was monumental. When we have that information, we'll definitely talk with you guys about it. Yep. All right. So now... It's time to jump into our top five series, Gary. We've done this a few times already. Uh, it's been challenging each time. Uh, something I love about a top five, though, is it really forces you to make these decisions, right? I think if you're a, a lover of movies or TV or Marvel, DC, music, sports, anything, and someone asks you your top five, it is always so hard. It's like, yeah. who are your top five favorite wide receivers, wide receivers in the NFL? Who are your top five R&B artists? It's so hard, right? No matter what your mm -hmm. top five is. It's always so hard. It's hard. And it's always, I always look at it as it's a moving target, right? So yeah. the top five that Gary and I are going to release to you all today um, is a great conversation starter. But, you know, realize that as I was telling Gary before we started recording, this, I've already changed this list like five or six times <laughs> since I started jotting it down and kind of doing my own research. So, um, this is a fluid list. This will probably be different for me in a week or two. Who knows? It's very hard to pin down, but this is what our top five is today. Yeah. Um, and just before we jump into the list, I got to tell you all, like I told Skylar offline before we started recording, for me, number one was easy. It was like the first one that came. It's always the first one. Uh, anyone who knows me knows what my number one is. But two through five was very challenging. And so I, I feel like um, one of the things that we really wanted to like hammer home is like, we're not going to have this recency bias. We're not going to just be like, oh, we're going to throw this series on there because, you know, we just saw, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. We just saw Loki season two and we're going to put it on the top five list. Like, yeah, Loki is a really good show, but it's not going to make my top five this year just because, I mean, I don't think that as of right now, I can put it in top five. Maybe if we were doing a top 10, possibly. But top five, not yet. And that is completely fair. Um, as I was mentioning to you, with a show like The Bear, for instance, I mm -hmm. very strongly wanted to put The Bear in my top five. It's definitely in my top ten. But it also just has two seasons. Now, it has hit home runs both seasons one and season two for Hulu. Yeah. However, I I was also trying to go by some type of, of – uh, measurement for this you know if, if we're going to gauge these shows by anything uh for me personally at least and i know i didn't mention this to you gary uh but that's fine H however we gauge our favorite shows that's up to us right? right um i looked at it as like i want the show to at least have three seasons or more and to try to have consistently top quality seasons kind of all throughout and not just have one or two good seasons, but right. really all around, they need to be home runs. So um, that's what I think I, I use as my kind of grading scale for this. And mm. it helps a little bit. And so the bear isn't quite there yet. That is definitely very fair. Um, just to give everyone my grading scale and then um, Skylar, I guess we can start with yours afterwards. Um, but for me, it was, you know, which, five shows can I turn on right now and I can just, just sit through and binge. Sure. Um, I probably, you know, made it a little bit more difficult for number five, like the, the very last one, just because it's like, can I really sit and binge this one? Like right now, but this one, I would say fell a little bit into that recency bias a little bit, but I, I gave myself a little bit of grace on that one. 
No, and that's completely fair. So now let's go ahead and jump into it, starting with our number five, and we'll work our way down to our number ones, right? <laughs> um, so jumping in at my number five, and once again, this was tough. This whole list I'll mention was extremely tough. But uh, once again, you know, you mentioned a show that you can just kind of turn on at any, any point in time and just be able to binge episode after episode. And this is honestly, as you know, Gary, being my best friend, this this show is a show that I quote all the time. I'm always using the gifts. I'm always, you know, pulling up YouTube <laughs> clips. I'll show people the same YouTube clip uh, of a sketch from the show a million times until yep. they're sick of it, but I'm never sick of it. <laughs> and that is the show Key and Peel. It was a sketch comedy show on Comedy Central. Um, it had five seasons and it premiered back in January of 2012. Of course, we know it features Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, uh, two phenomenal uh, actors, producers, uh, writers uh, that they finally got to um, collaborate and create this great sketch comedy show for Comedy Central that was almost immediately a home run. Uh, this was in kind of the later years of, uh, or sorry, the early years, I should say, of Obama, uh, President Barack Obama's um, uh, second term. And really, it, I mean, between the topical political commentary on the Obama administration to some of the kind of the, 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 the racial implications of the fact that both Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key are both half black, half white. Um, so they had so many biracial jokes in there. Um, there's just, there was an element to it that felt very much like kind of this generation's version of the Chappelle show. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm old enough to remember The Chappelle Show being on Comedy Central all the time when I was a kid. However, it was kind of slightly before my time, even though I still enjoy yeah. it to this day. Um, the, you know, I feel like Key and Peele was like firmly our millennial generation uh, version of The Chappelle Show. And I absolutely just love uh, Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key uh, specifically from this show and obviously love the work that Jordan Peele has done as a director since and the work uh, that uh, Keegan has done um, post this because he's obviously continued as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, they're just hilarious. Like there isn't an episode of this show that I would ever want to skip. They're only half hour. Um, I believe it is on uh, Hulu uh, yeah. currently. So definitely binge it there. Um, but it is just such a funny show. Um, just these random, you know, two minute, maybe five, maybe eight minute long sketches. They're all very right. short, comprised into these 30 minute episodes. And it's just a feel good show. Like if I'm kind of having a bad day or if I just need a good laugh, I'll put on an episode and I can usually quote it uh, for some of those really good scenes. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, Gary, I'm sure you can think of so many good moments from the show where it's like, whether it's the East West bowl, whether it's the substitute teacher sketch, whether, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're trying to talk about their girlfriends and then the first episode and they can't right. say the, the B I T C H word around them. <laughs> um, there's or just the so many one. or the neighbors one. There's just so many moments to this show that I can immediately recall mm -hmm. from memory and I can quote it to friends. So key and peel has got to be number five for me. Yeah, man. I didn't even think about that one. I know I think of so many different sketches from the show. Um, I didn't grow up watching it like like you did, but I did catch a lot of the sketches. Um, and I did watch a few episodes. And I remember when we were up in Chicago for your wedding, um, you and I, we watched uh, an episode or two and that was fun. But um, yeah, that is honestly, that's a great way to start the, the list. Honestly, King and Peele is a phenomenal show. Had to do it. Now, what is your number five, my friend? So as I said, my number five is going to a little, have a little bit of recency bias in it just because I just recently um, started binging through uh, its second season. Um, it's honestly one of those absolutely hilarious shows that kind of came out of nowhere um, towards, uh, what was it, around 2020, 2021. And it's, it stars someone that everyone knows about due to her time on BuzzFeed. And then, like, this show still just came out of nowhere. Like, no one really expected it to do what it did. But I know when I saw the the trailers for it, I was like, okay, this is going to be a show I'm going to love. But um, Abbott Elementary, starring Quinta Brunson, um, as well as um, it also stars, um, what's his name, Tyler James uh, Williams. Like, mm -hmm. these two, they have such phenomenal chemistry in the show. But it doesn't just stop with them. Like the cast is actually really, really, really good. Um, you have Janelle James as uh, the principal, Ava Coleman, uh, Lisa Ann Walter, who plays uh, Melissa Shimenti, uh Cheryl Lee Ralph, which I knew of her, 
uh, just due to her having a very extensive filmography. Um, but she plays uh, Barbara Howard. Um, and then you have uh, Chris Perfetti, who is to me becoming one of my favorite characters on the show the more I watch this, se- this series. But uh, he plays uh, Jacob uh, Hill and each one of them, whenever they're on the screen, like you find something that just absolutely endears you to the character. You find something very funny about the characters. They have a lot of very heartwarming moments between each of the main characters on here. This is one of those shows that's, although it's considered a comedy, um, it has way more heart than most comedies usually have. Um, it's only 30 minutes. It's on Hulu. Again, it only has two seasons. So like, Really, a lot of these things kind of play against it for being in my top five, but because of how heartwarming these characters are, how great these character moments are, and how many episodes where you start out, you see something like pretty funny, it's like, okay, that's that's kind of funny. Then by the end of the episode, you're literally like laughing your heart out because of how hilarious some of the things have gone on. It's, it was hard for me to keep this off, off my top five, but uh, yeah, Abbott Elementary you haven't watched even just season one yet you have to watch season one completely agree um really good choice that's easily in my top 10 you know once again just for me i needed to keep going and i I know that it will because the writing for that show is phenomenal so i'm sure it's gonna have you know five plus seasons of just excellent content so i'm looking forward to seeing where that show goes i agree with you love abbott elementary quinta brunson genius for creating that show um I love that you mentioned uh, Christopher Perfetti uh, because, so I, you know, just short story, short segue. Um, <laughs> I remember when season one came out of Abbott Elementary and I had kind of seen all the, the promotion stuff for it. So my wife and I were watching it and I think mm. we were only like halfway through the season because, you know, there were weekly drops for the episodes, right. uh, like a regular show. And we were halfway through the season. And then I remember this was when I was still in graduate school um, in Indiana and I remember seeing um, an advertisement uh, for a show in Chicago at the legendary theater Steppenwolf. And Chris Christopher Perfetti was literally in that show. It was a new mm. work called King James. He originated the role um, and this was a brand new play. And I remember seeing him on it and I'm like, well, this is the same guy we're seeing <laughs> you know, in Abbott Elementary right now. Wouldn't it be cool if we went to go see this show? And yeah. my wife agreed. And we ended up going to, to Chicago before, obviously, you know, now we live here. But we, we ended up driving just kind of like that two hours up the interstate, checking out the show and it was it was so surreal for me because that was the first time i'd ever actually seen an actor that i was simultaneously watching in a show a hit show at that (laughs) uh seeing him in that show and then seeing him like live on stage was like crazy but he was brilliant in both and yeah i agree with you i think he's becoming kind of one of my new favorite young uh, comedic actors um Mm. and just like how awkward he is in Hobbit (laughs) elementary so that was just kind of like my little like like tie to the show and i think it really made me appreciate abbott elementary all the more yeah, yeah, I want to see more of of him in in anything honestly. Like give me I want to see what his range is because I feel like he could do a lot more than just comedic roles. I just feel like he's so good at comedic roles, he's going to get typecast in those a lot. And you know what? Bring it because, you know, for him that's given him, you know, some some great stuff to work with and right. I mean that can build his career too. So exactly. the fact that he can though do, you know, TV and do theater though is that's is great. That's respect for me as an actor. So I think those are some of the best. All right. Coming in at my number four. And I wanted to add this one simply because I realized as I kind of kept, you know, reworking these lists, um, <laughs> I didn't really have a superhero show. It was, it was really a toss up you know, between this and another show that I might mention. I might not. Um, but I wanted to have a superhero show in there because it's like, am I really a nerd if I don't mention at least one superhero show in my that top is true. five? We have this, su- this is such a good show. This is Daredevil, the original Netflix MCU Daredevil, yes. uh, with Charlie Cox playing the t- titular role of Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil himself. Uh, it does have three seasons. It's no longer on Netflix. Netflix sold their rights back to Disney. Uh, so all of the old Netflix uh, MCU shows, I guess they would be considered MCU, have now moved over to yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, but you can now find all three seasons streaming on Disney Plus of Daredevil uh, before they have reworked it and revamped it in this uh, upcoming reboot. I'm going with the OG, the OG Same. three seasons. Yeah. 
uh, premiered in April of 2015, uh, and that final season premiered in October of 2018 uh, for crazy. season three. It's crazy, but we had three glorious years with Matt Murdock as Daredevil, and it's such an amazing show. Um, from the cast down, it really, I thought, set the perfect groundwork for those street heroes that we saw from Marvel. Um in Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I think it really carried if we're being completely honest, like um, I'm honestly amazed that, you know, we didn't get more from the defenders or or more just from daredevil himself, but I am glad uh, to see that they're at least trying to continue with, with Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock, a little nervous to see where it goes at this point, but we'll see. Um, But I mean, over Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, all these other shows that, you know, had their moments, like Mm -hmm. nothing could compare to Daredevil. I think, Gary, you'd agree there. Um, But just kind of mentioning some of the cast members here, we, of course, have Charlie Cox. We have Vincent uh, D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. And he, of course, is still playing that role Mm -hmm. most recently in the MCU Disney Plus show Echo. Uh, But he's also been in the Hawkeye show uh, and he's making his comeback as Wilson Fisk in Daredevil Reborn. We have Deborah Ann Wolf as Karen Page, Eldon Henson as Foggy Nelson, and let's see, we also have John Bernthal, which he, of course, makes his appearance in season two as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. And he gets to kind of carry on uh, that in his own spinoff show. Mm-hmm. So for three seasons, every single year that this show came out, I was always looking forward to it. Um, it was always like a must see. And uh, I believe like I binged it. You know, every season, like the first weekend it drops. It's um, <laughs> so good. I mean, it really kind of starts with his early, you know, that, that first season of, you know, who is, you know, Matt Murdock, who is Daredevil as he's kind of fighting in the shadows, doesn't really know how he can become a hero. But then you see him kind of develop his suit. Uh, you know, the stakes are risen in season two, of course, when you introduce characters like the Punisher uh, and kind of him going on his murder spree. Uh, but then there's, of course, that uh, that back and forth with him and Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. And then, of course, season three, you introduce Bullseye. Like, it was – and Electra, of course. Electra is in there. Yeah. It was such a good show. And, mm-hmm. I, of course, it's it's known now and kind of parodied as, like, hallway fight scene, hallway fight scene. <laughs> because every season of Daredevil would have this awesome, amazing choreographed hallway fight. Um, and it was so good at it. And it there was, was many kind of uh, instances where it was kind of taking the fighting genre of superheroes to a whole new level because this mm-hmm. is like right when John Wick came out, the first John yeah. Wick. So we're finally starting to get this like quality action, hand-to-hand combat. And this is what we got for television. So I had to include it in here. It's my number four. It's such a good show. I love Daredevil. I'm going to leave it at that. I love Daredevil. (laughs) Yes, sir. What is your number four, Gary? So coming in number four for me, um, this is a show that honestly I think is older than I am. (laughs) Just because I feel like this show came out before I did, but um, no, it didn't. It's it's not that old. But um, Criminal Minds came out in 2005. Uh, I absolutely love this show. It's funny for so long. I never wanted to watch it because I was like, I don't want to watch a show about people trying to catch serial killers. Like what kind of, what do I look like? But that first season really caught my eye. Um, Just seeing how the team interacted uh, just to kind of go over a little bit with the cast. um, You got, uh, Kirsten Vangness, uh, who plays Penelope Garcia. She's the tech. She's the girl, woman in the chair. Uh, you have Matthew Gray Gubler, uh, who is, I want to say, most people's favorite, Dr. Reed. Uh, everyone's fan cast for the Riddler. Um, <laughs> we have uh, AJ Cook, who plays Jennifer Giroux. Uh, Joe Mantegna, uh, who plays David Rossi. Uh, Thomas Gibson, uh, Aaron Hotchner. Uh, everyone's heartthrob, Shamar Moore, Derek Morgan. Uh, you can really keep going on with this list because they, for a good span of like three or four seasons, they would have a rotating cast of like people coming in and out. Um, it was honestly kind of crazy. Um, a lot of things I found out uh, to be pretty interesting. Like there were our uh, Luke Cage 
Mike Coulter, he was on an episode of Criminal Minds. Um, he was a villain on there, I believe. Wow. Um, someone who's going to show up on a future episode or on a future part of my list uh, was on an early episode of Criminal Minds as a villain. So it's like, it seems like a lot of people had a lot of uh, ties to Criminal Minds that then went on and had pretty big roles in future TV shows or in future movies. And it's like Criminal Minds was kind of like the testing ground to say, okay, can you at least have a little bit of a screen presence? Okay, cool. Now you can go actually do some real work now. <laughs> but um, yeah, Criminal Minds is so good. It's, a, it's one of those shows, no episode really goes over into the next episode. So you could literally just drop in in the middle of a season and pick up whatever and just enjoy the episode for what it is. Um, even though they deal with a lot of very gruesome, a lot of real world type of situations. Um, they find ways to have heart and to have um, really nice character moments between each of the members of the team. And that's one of the things that kind of endears me towards this show. And if you all haven't noticed, there's a theme for me. It's character moments. It's uh, character development that really drives me towards uh, really enjoying and loving the show. And Criminal Minds does that a lot. And it's what 15 season run that it has. Mm -hmm. No great choice. Uh, I love criminal minds. I actually haven't seen every episode, which that's surprising for me because I do love a good suspense thriller. Um, But yeah, I got to check out more criminal minds. I I think I've, I fully watched the first three or four seasons, but I kind of fell off with it, but it's one Mm -hmm. of those shows where anytime it's on, like if you, you know, remember back in the the cable (laughs) or the satellite TV days, you know, for those that don't always stream, um, anytime it was on, like you kind of had to like stop what you were doing because you would just get so encaptured in whatever story because it's a procedural, right? So like a law and order or like a Chicago med or PD or whatever, right? You know, you would kind of get caught up in it because you only need like that 45 minutes to hour long window to open up Mm -hmm. a story, go through the craziness of it and then have it closed. So it was, I mean, such a well-written show. Good choice. Definitely agree. But you got a number three, man. So coming in at number three for me, honestly, to be completely honest, number three and number two for me are very interchangeable. Um, They're both really two sides of the same coin. In fact, I would argue that one set the stage for the other. Uh, so without any further ado, I got to mention my show Ozark. Ozark is of course a, uh, show originally it's a Netflix original, so it's still on Netflix. It had four seasons on Netflix and it premiered back in July of 2017. And the most recent fourth and final season just finished in January of 2022. Uh, the show to kind of give it a tagline, cause I feel like a lot of people have heard of it, but they didn't really know what it was about. So essentially the tagline for it is a financial advisor drags his family from Chicago to the Missouri Ozarks, where he must launder money to appease a drug boss. All right. And this show stars Jason Bateman as Martin Marty Bird. And Laura Lindley plays Wendy Bird. Sophia Holbultz plays Charlotte Bird. Skylar Gartner plays Jonah Bird, but he spells his name L-A-R, and we don't like that. (laughs) Julia Gardner (laughs) plays Ruth Langmore. Charlie Tahan plays Wyatt Langmore. Lisa Emery plays Darlene Snell. Carson Holmes plays uh, three Langmore. And I do want to mention uh, we have Felix Solis who plays Omar Navarro. Uh, and that is really the th- – well, actually, we I do want to mention Janet McTeer plays Helen Pierce. So this is really the main cast here. We also have Jessica Francis Dukes playing special agent Maya Miller. Um, This is really kind of the top build cast here. This show is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Each episode was typically anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour with, of course, no ads. Um, And it is really a show that is such a good suspense thriller, but it's also a crime drama because essentially, you know, as the tagline mentions, uh, Marty Bird is this finance guy who unwillingly uh, kind of gets caught up in a drug cartel, a Mexican drug cartel that has, you know, obviously been laundering their money through a Chicago organization that he had been working with. And then, uh, 
in order to essentially spare his life and his family's life, he ends up having to relocate them to the Ozarks to create basically a whole new business scheme for this Mexican drug cartel uh, in order to keep his family safe and alive. He has to launder money for them. Otherwise, he and his family will be executed. So it really just shows like the lengths that someone will go to protect themselves, to protect them, their family, um, you know, I, this is honestly my favorite role I've ever seen Jason Bateman in as an actor. I've always kind of enjoyed his work, but this just knocked it out of the park for me. He was perfect for this role. Um, I, I want to mention Julia Gardner. Uh, she's won, I believe, one or two Emmys from this show as Ruth Langmore. Mm-hmm. She was phenomenal uh, in, in her role in this show. Um, Laura Lin- Linley, uh, Linney sorry, uh, is brilliant in this show. When I say as Wendy Bird, as, as Marty's uh, wife, she is brilliant in this show. Anyone that knows Laura Linney's work knows that she is a versatile character actress. And she is so good in this show. She steals every scene she's in. Uh, so good. Um, this ensemble is probably one of the best full cast ensembles I've ever seen for a show. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's high stakes, there's emotion, there's, there's death, there's drugs involved, there's money involved. Uh, It's kind of like corruption at its finest. Um, And the kind of the lengths that this show goes to heighten the stakes is brilliant. And I've mentioned this many times to anyone who knows me as an actor, because I actually have a monologue that I use for auditions from this show. And it is specifically Mm -hmm. from season three, episode nine. Uh, Gary, I know I've mentioned the show to you before. I'm sure you'll watch it eventually. But specifically, <laughs> I want to mention because season three for me, all, all every season of the show, once again, four seasons are brilliant. They top the next, which is very, very hard to do, as you know, Gary, yeah. writing wise. But season three for me, um, it introduces Tom uh, Pelfi comes in as uh, Wendy Bird's brother. And he plays a character that's dealing with bipolar disorder. And I, I want to briefly mm-hmm. mention this as I'm talking about the show, because honestly, I'm I'm furious that he didn't at least get some type of Emmy nod for this role, because I'm going to plant this seed for you, Gary, and for anyone listening that wants to see Ozark and maybe you haven't yet. Season three, episode nine is by far one of the greatest character building episodes I have ever seen in my life of all television. Season three, episode nine has an episode that will have you weeping by the end of it. I don't care how much you say you're not a crier. You will cry by the end of this episode because the way that they depict bipolar disorder and mental illness in this season, but specifically in this episode is haunting. It's beautiful. It makes you want to hug your loved ones. So I cannot recommend this show enough. I love Ozark uh, and season three specifically will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, I think uh, this was one of the first shows you told me about that I should watch when we first uh, started hanging out. And I, I remember I put it on my list and it just I just never got around to it. But the funny thing about it is I've taken like three or four screenwriting classes and in every class they talk about Ozark. They talk specifically they talk about um, how an interesting concept and an interesting world can bring people to be interested in in your story. And Ozark is always one of the ones that they bring up as, you know, that fits that criteria. So it's one that I definitely plan on watching once I get back into my Netflix uh, binge uh, era. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's on the list. I hear so many good things about it. I'm glad it's finally over. Mm-hmm. So now I can just go and just binge all the seasons and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it I is. Plan on watching this show. It's a, such a well-written show. I mean, very rare in today's world do you have a well, a complete well-acted. Like, I mean, whole, wholly all around. There's not a weak link in the cast. A, a completely well-acted production, but a completely well-written production from the beginning yeah. to the end. It almost never happens, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have a few examples like Succession, most recently, like Abbott Elementary. There are very rare examples, and that's why it's important to check out those shows, even if they're not your favorite. That is true. What is coming in at number three for you, my friend? So number three, uh, this one, honestly, I kind of, I struggled with because this is more of a guilty pleasure show 
And if you ask me next week, it's probably not even going to be in my top five. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I definitely put it here just because it's like when I, I just recently did a rewatch of the show. And I'm just like, you know, these first few seasons were really good. A couple of seasons midway were like, meh. But it ended on a relatively decent note to the point where I'm like, okay, it's at least top 10 enough for me. Um, but I'm going to put Arrow on here. Um, not a big fan of the show in regards to like structural wise or writing wise. There's a whole lot of problems with the show, but it is, like I said, a guilty pleasure. Um, it stars Stephen Amell who plays uh, Oliver Queen, AKA Green Arrow. Um, then you have uh, his partner slash sidekick, uh, John Diggle, uh, AKA Spartan played by David Ramsey. Uh, his, controversial love interests uh felicity smoke uh or uh emily bett ricards and then you have uh laurel lance aka black canary played by katie cassidy and then quentin lance uh paul blackthorn plays him the show is not good overall in many aspects the acting in the first two ish seasons meh but the writing compensates for it, in my opinion. And then I would say a lot of the action in the show um, does really well. This was around the time just before Daredevil came out. So um, I feel like for a superhero show, the act, the action was decent. Because prior to this, we had Smallville. And while I really enjoyed Smallville, to me, this was definitely a better show. Uh, the problem that I had with Arrow they tried to make Arrow too much like a Batman type of show. They did, yeah. And for people who read the Green Arrow comics prior to this show coming out, you know that Green Arrow is Batman-like in some aspects, but he's much more lighthearted and he cares much more about the little man on the totem pole. He is very much what people would consider a social justice warrior. Uh, and in some comics, he actually mentions that himself. But um, for what they were trying to do, especially with so many of the different things that you know came up against it, like the fact that they had pitched the show as a spinoff from Smallville uh, with the original uh, actor, I won't, I won't say his name was Justin Hartley or something like that, uh, from Smallville, and that falling under underneath due to like many different uh, issues that came about. For them to even come up with this show and have it kind of spin off the little DC universe that we were able to get uh, during the MCU's rise to fame uh, for us DC fans. I had to put it on here. Um, at least I have to put it in my top 10 just for that. Um, but, you know, I'm one of those people where I will be very critical of something I really enjoy, but I'm still going to sit and watch Arrow at least once every other year all the way through. Fair. Yeah, I believe I, I watched it all the way up until like season four or five or wherever it kind of started to fall off for me. Um, I unfortunately never finished it. I, I want to go back and finish it, but I definitely think those first three seasons were excellent. They were really yeah. good. Um, but yeah, it did kind of bug me that they tried to make like Deathstroke, a.k.a. Slade Wilson, like his main nemesis. And I'm like, no, that's not your main nemesis. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, come on. You know, Robin, Sick a.k.a. Batman. Batman. I know they they... They were taking some of the cooler elements of Batman's lore and adding it to Green Arrow, and I'm like, ah, it kind of right. kind of bugged me too. But I get it. I get what they're trying to do. All right, coming in at a number two for me. Once again, I mentioned this was really two sides of the of uh, the same coin. Uh, for really, I don't think Ozark would have existed um, without the success of this show because of how groundbreaking it was, and that is the show Breaking Bad. Uh, Regardless if you're a fan of the show or not, you've definitely heard about it. It was a great show on AMC. It basically swept the the uh, Emmys every single year for the awards. <laughs> um, but it had five seasons in total with the first season premiering all the way back in 2008, in January of 2008. And then the final fifth season, which was broken into two parts, began premiering in July of 2012 and then finished in September of 2013. Uh, so it was releasing episodes uh, weekly on AMC, and it's arguably the reason why AMC blew up the way that it did with shows like The Walking yeah. Dead and um, 
and into the Badlands and, you know, many other shows. Uh, but Breaking Bad really was the OG of the great AMC shows. Um, and of course was created by Vince Gilligan, uh, a renowned showrunner and producer and writer. Uh, and it starred Brian Cranston as Walter White, Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, Anne Gunn as Skylar White, and the reason why everybody hated my name during that time, <laughs> understandably so. <laughs> Betsy Brandt played Marie Sh- uh, Schrader. R.J. Mitt played Walter White Jr. Dean Norris played Hank Schrader. Bob Odenkirk starred as Saul Goodman which, of course, we eventually got Saul Goodman's spinoff, Better Call Saul. We have Jonathan Banks as Mike Amarat, and then Juan Carlo Esposito as Gus Fing. Fring. Sorry. So this cast was absolutely amazing, and this show took really the whole crime standard to a whole new level. Uh, if you need to know the tagline, I'll tell it to you, though you should know it. A chemistry teacher diagnosed with inoperable lung cancer turns to manufacturing and selling methamphetamine with a former student in order to secure his family's future. So, of course, it starts with Walter White's character, played by Brian Cranston once again, finding out he has cancer, and then, of course, this is one of the most American shows possible because he doesn't <laughs> have any money as a high school chemistry teacher and he doesn't have the money to pay for his chemotherapy or to essentially get better so the way he looks at it as running into his former student jesse pinkman he's like you know what we can do since i'm a chemistry teacher is we can make drugs together sell it and that way i can leave money behind to my family because he thinks at this point that he is too far gone with his cancer that the only thing he can do is make sure that his family's taken care of so he does it, you know, multiple seasons. He's making drugs and he has uh, drug kingpins and, and cartel leaders kind of coming down on him until he ultimately ends up working for one. And that's when stuff gets really crazy. So, you know, guns ensue. Um, you know, he's a chemistry teacher. So, like, how do you fight off these guys? Um, and then he ultimately becomes the moniker of Heisenberg and he becomes literally the largest distributor of crystal meth in the entire country. And he literally That's becomes, crazy. he becomes his own drug kingpin essentially. So the character development for Walter White is just phenomenal because he's kind of like this meek yet kind of narcissistic chemistry teacher turned into like literally drug kingpin. Um, the show was so well written, so well acted. This show literally made me fall in love with everything that Brian Cranston does because he's an amazing actor uh, for he stage is. and film. And yeah, if you saw Malcolm in the middle, you kind of wonder, is this what happened? Is this how the dad, (laughs) is this what the dad became? No, it's a different story, but Brian Cranston's brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, I believe all seasons of Breaking Bad are currently streaming on Netflix. So check it out. Yes. Yes. This is the other show. This is like the definitive, the creme de la creme of screenwriting uh, 101. You know, anytime you take a screenwriting class, or they're going to talk about Ozark, and then they're going to talk about Breaking Bad. Uh, so if any of you have been interested in starting a career in screenwriting and you take a class, just make sure you at least have downloaded the pilot for one of these shows because they're going to talk about it. And definitely check them out. I mean, they're so worth seeing. If you're looking for a bingeable show, you know, maybe you're kind of tired of whatever new content is out. There's no shame at all in going and watching a show from 2013, 2014, whatever. These shows are so good. They withstand the test of time. Yep. I do it all the time. All right. Coming in at your number two. What is that, Gary? So coming in number two, we've already talked about it. I, there's not much more I can really say. I have maybe two <laughs> things I'm going to add and we can keep going. But it's Daredevil. Like, y'all knew, like, y'all y'all listen to the show every week. Y'all know whatever Skylar has on his list, I'm at least going to have one of them on here. Um, but Daredevil was absolutely phenomenal. It was, to me, this show was the show that really made me want to get into screenwriting. This is what made me want to become a TV writer because – it's one thing to have a good show, especially a good superhero show that has a lot of really good action or that has some pretty good character moments. But for me, that the thing that makes Daredevil so good is how they handle the dialogue. And it's not just the dialogue between Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson or Matt Murdock and Karen Page, but it's the dialogue between Daredevil or Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. To me, that is the definitive 
aspect of this show that makes it so good. But on that same token, I got we got to talk about how amazing Vincent D'Onofrio Wilson Fisk is. Like to me, he's kind of like the gold standard when it comes to superhero bad guys. And you know how much I love Thanos. But Wilson Fisk is to me the villain that every other superhero movie or TV show should aspire to because not only he has motivation, he has character development, but then you get to see his character devolving. And that's the thing that's interesting because from season one to season two, you see him grow and become the villain that you want him to be. Because at first he's just this philanthropic person. It's like, why are they trying to fight him? He's trying to save the city. And then by the end of the season, you see, okay, he's actually a villain. And then from season two to season three, you see, oh, wow, like he's playing chess and everyone else is out here playing tic-tac-toe. And then season three, you get to see his full plan come to fruition. And the way he plays with uh, Bullseye was just absolutely phenomenal. Honestly, like if if you were to go and watch the show right now, if you haven't seen it, you will probably fall in love with the show from the very first episode. They made a stamp with that show. And from that point on, it, it really just builds upon itself. And it leaves, it ends with, a, to me, a really good ending, but one where it's like they left it open enough to where if they wanted to come back, they could do more. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vincent Odinafrio's, you know, gravel, Vanessa, oh, yeah. Vanessa, <laughs> like it'll. You embarrass me in front of Vanessa. It'll just break your heart. No, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of a just a a quick side question for you, Gary. Like, do you think Thanos would have been written as well had it not been for inspiration from Kingpin? Like, I wonder how much the MCU is paying attention to this show and going like, okay, that's how we should write a villain. Honestly, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that they were paying a lot of attention because at the time, although the Marvel Netflix shows and Marvel movies were kind of separate because they had the two different studio heads, they still had those loose tie-ins. And I feel like, you know, people in the studios were looking and like, okay, I see what they're doing. You know, they're, they're giving this villain not only a a really cool and interesting backstory, but they're making them personable. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Thanos and you look at Fisk, like there's a lot of similarities in regards to like what they wanted to do and what their motivations were not saying that it was one of those, Hey, I'm a copy of your homework, but change it up type of things, (laughs) but more of, Hey, let's like pass notes around so we can both ace this test type of situation. No, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that he kind of set that standard. And like you said, he is the gold standard. I mean, whether you're looking at TV or film, Mm -hmm. uh, Wilson Fisk and daredevil is brilliant. So well-written. All right. So you know what it's time for. It is time for my number one show of all time, as of right now, anyway, right? (laughs) With an important disclaimer. So my number one show out of my top five favorite shows of all time, as they currently stand, uh, is Mm -hmm. also a guilty pleasure show, Gary. Uh, You know this from me because I mentioned it to you since we became friends. Uh, This is a show that I remember I used to always watch Comedy Central when I was a teenager. So I think I just needed that kind of that uh, lightheartedness and that jivality in my life. So I would come home from school, middle school, high school, and I would want to turn on Comedy Central because the stand-up comedians would make me laugh. And then I would watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and then The Colbert Report with Stephen Colbert. And these are things that would just kind of bring a fresh comedic spin on things. And uh, this was a show that was always on every time I would come home from school. And I remember it used to annoy me. I used to like, I couldn't wait for the show to be over because I wanted to see what else was on. Like that's, that's how I felt about the show in the beginning. And then I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because it was on every day. Uh, and you know, I you know couldn't really only change the channel, but so much. And it grew on me. And this quickly became one of my favorite shows. And now, honestly, like I said, it's coming in at my number one. And without further ado, let me mention it. That show is Scrubs, which once again was on Comedy Central. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, originally an NBC show that eventually got picked up by ABC, uh, bought mm-hmm. by ABC. Um, 
in its eighth season because uh, it was it also was canceled like twice and then brought back. So Jeez. it's been through a lot. But the show ran from 2001 to 2010, and it did have nine total seasons. Um, but we're just going to go ahead and forget about season nine, okay? Because season nine was <laughs> god-awful. Um, they tried to like do like this like soft reboot where they had some of the main characters, but then they were trying to introduce new ones, you know? And yeah. ABC and Disney quickly realized the error of their ways because it only lasted one more season and that was it. But in my opinion, in my personal humble opinion, as great as the show was from seasons one through eight, it ended on a great note in season eight because they figured it was going to end. And it actually had this great send off for all the actors and the main character. And then they brought it back for another season. So that's why we don't even pretend season nine exists. Um yeah. But the show uh, was created by Bill Lawrence, and you guys will that are in the, kind of the TV sphere, you'll know that Bill Lawrence is a very successful producer and showrunner across television. Uh, it starred Zach Braff as JD, or no, also known as Dr. John Dorian, Donald Faison as Dr. Christopher Turk, Sarah Chalk as Dr. Elliot Reed, John C. McGinley as Dr. Perry Cox, Ken Jenkins as Dr. Bob Kelso, Neil Flynn as the janitor. And that is our top build cast. Um, really, the tagline for it, very simple. In the unreal world of Sacred Heart Hospital, intern John J.D. Dorian learns the ways of medicine, friendship, and life. And that is really this show. I'm not a really a big medicine or procedural guy as far as medicine shows go, like ER and stuff. But mm. this show was a brilliant half hour comma drama dramedy. Um, there were some really brilliant moments of comedy in this show uh, between JD and, and his best friend Turk, you know, going to med school together. And then season one literally starts with them fresh out of med school, um, kind of learning the, the ropes as interns. And then the show progresses with each season of them kind of developing into these seasoned doctors at this hospital. And kind of, you know, the show, while it does have the elements of, you know, oh, we need to solve what, what's going on with this person. Why are they sick? What surgery needs to be done? You know, there is that element. The show has a wider element of friendship, of family, of, you know, what does it mean to kind of go through everything in your life from getting married to having kids? Um, it really follows more of the lives of these doctors than just like them being doctors, you know? So there is so much mm -hmm. more to this show than just them saving people and, you know, curing sickness. And it's a brilliant show. It's lighthearted. Uh, but there's some really deep episodes that like will surprise you. There's uh Brendan Fraser has a cameo in this show or not really a cameo, but he guest stars in the show for a couple episodes and he Ooh. has a heartbreaking episode that was brilliant. Um, so it had some really great touching moments in it. And Zach Braff to me is brilliant in this, uh, Donald Faison as well. Like honestly, the relationship between Turk and JD in this show is what I wanted in my own life. Like I wanted that type of friendship that Zach, Zach Braff's John Dorian has with, with Turk, um, so it was such a special show to me. It was a very foundational show once again, as I'm kind of in high school, kind of becoming an adult myself. So I think there were some parallels there between my own life and the life mm -hmm. of John Dorian. Um, so just so many great moments. It, it is a cult classic. So there are many people that love the show that will still watch it to this day. It is on mm -hmm. Hulu, I believe currently i've watched it in full so. and it's entirely like two or three times so i've seen this show so many times it's a, just a, a great show like no matter what kind of day i'm having i can put on scrubs and i can laugh and feel good about myself um so it is the ultimate comfort show you could say for me is scrubs so that's why it's my number one it was it was hard for me to kind of judge where i was going to put this show because mm -hmm. you know while it is my ultimate comfort show does that count as a number one i don't really know but as of right now i would say yes that is very fair um i've never watched scrubs honestly i've never had much of a, a inclination to watch it i've seen clips i've seen maybe an episode of here and there but uh, I do have to say, like, the relationship between JD and Turk is one that is always compared to the one that's going to be on my number one list. Yes, yes, yes. And so what does that mean, folks? But... Gary, what is your number one show? So my number one show is also my comfort show. Um this series ran from 2006 to 2014, has eight seasons plus three 
TV movies uh, that have come out since then. Um, I've seen every season, every single season of this show minimum five times. Cause I rewatch the show every year um, from beginning to end. I even got my girlfriend to watch it and we're currently binging through it. Uh, she loves it. It, it's one of those shows where, like you mentioned, like if you're having a rough day, you need something to laugh or you just need something very lighthearted to just kind of like pick you up from, you know, whatever happened. I can toss it on. doesn't matter where it's at. Put it on. And I'm just enjoying myself for 45 minutes to an hour or two, three hours if I go through like four or five episodes. But uh, the show is called Psych. Um, and similar to you in regards to like the show came out when you were in high school and it kind of just got guided you through this show came out when i was in middle school the very first episode dropped um and it was a show where uh, me my mom and my sisters we all just kind of sat around the tv and was like oh what is this because at the time uh the show that we had been watching as a family was um another crime drama show called monk and we had grew up watching it and we were like, okay, well, this is great. So what is this, this show called psych about? And it's like, this guy pretends to be a psychic to help the Santa Barbara police department solve crimes. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And the way that he, you know, goes about pretending to be psychic and solving these crimes is so hilarious and laughable that it doesn't seem to be functional, but it always works out in the end. Um, it's, it's so great. Um, the show uh, just to kind of go over the cast a little bit, uh, stars James Rodé Rodriguez, which fun fact, uh, up until 2020, uh, he went by just James Rodé, but he um, connected with his father and found out more about his heritage and found out more about how, he, I want to say he um, is part Mexican or something like that. And his original last name is actually Rodriguez. And he started going by that to really showcase uh, his heritage. Um and then uh, he plays Sean Spencer, the lead, uh, who pretends to be psychic. Uh, we have Dule Hill, uh, who plays Burton Guster. The running joke for the, sh the series with him is he looks like Bud from The Cosby Show. <laughs> um, and the funny thing about it is, like, in the season fin uh, series finale, they actually get Bud from The Cosby Show in the uh, show as his actual manager of his new uh, company that he's going to be working for. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, then we have Timothy Omenson, uh, who plays Carlton Lasseter. He is the one that I was mentioning earlier. Uh, he was in an episode of Criminal Minds as a serial killer who was in, I want to say, season one or two of the series of the show. Um, and then um, just last two, Corbin Benson plays um, Sean's dad, Henry Spencer. And then uh, Maggie Lawson is Juliet O'Hara or Juliet Juliet Spencer eventually because she married Sean in later seasons. Um, but this cast, they're absolutely phenomenal. They honestly love working together. The series was uh, created by Steve Franks. Um, he also did the theme song for the show, uh, which is really cool. And the funny thing about it is they ended the show on their own terms and then decided because so many people that they call or that are fans, they call psychos. They were like, we want more, we want more. They decided to just do, you know, different uh, TV movies, which was approved and produced uh, by the uh, studio. Uh, at the time they were under a USA uh, network. Um, but I think most of the show can be found either on uh, Amazon Prime or you can watch it on Peacock. Um, and they got that um, funding to you know, continue to do more of the TV movies, which is really cool. And I've enjoyed every single one. Um, again, this is a show that you don't really go to it for the writing. You don't really go to it for acting or anything. You just go because it's funny um, and you want to see how they're going to solve a murder or uh, a robbery or a kidnapping. We love it. We love a good procedural. Yeah. <laughs> no, I no. I mean, you can't say anything. Like I said, Scrubs is the same way. Uh, Criminal Minds is that way. I honestly yeah. almost put Law and Order SVU in my top five just because that was a good one. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. You know, sit down on the couch and watch six episodes before you know what happened. 
So right. no, good. I've never seen Psych. I know you've been trying to get me to watch it too. So one of these days, you'll have to sit down and watch an episode of Scrubs. I'll sit down and watch an episode of Psych. You know, that's we'll a exchange we'll notes. That. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, as we begin to wrap up today's episode, Gary, do you have any final thoughts for the people? Um, yeah. Let's all celebrate the fact that 2024 we're going to see the return of really good movies and TV. You know, the actors are off strike. The writers are off strike. Everyone's getting paid. They don't have to worry about AI. Um, we're going to get Dune season, uh, part two, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited for the strikes ending. Um, it took a long time, but I'm glad that it actually ended. Yeah, no, same here. Um, because that benefits all of us, right? You know, regardless yeah. if you don't really watch that much TV or you don't watch that many movies, occasionally you will have a night in and you'll have no choice but to watch something. So this is yeah. good news. Um, whether that means we have less TV shows produced because of the budgeting and things like that, you know, that remains to be seen. If that is the case, maybe right. that means we'll have higher quality. So that's always something to look forward to. Um, but yeah, we will be continuing our top five series again next week. And do you want to give the people a heads up a little sneak peek gary yes next week we are going to be giving our final top five for the year and we're going to be doing our top five favorite directors that is going to be hard very hard because this is movie directors of all time so there's so many out there and there's a lot of really good ones that you and i've mentioned several times on this podcast all right so until then i'm skyler And And we are the Nerds Inc. Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Hey, everyone. This is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question. Provide your thoughts on our discussions, and we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.